back after the break with the Boardroom Network podcast here on iTunes and other channels. I'm with Ian Skinner, or Big Ian as we're calling him, because of this new initiative. Ian, we're talking about sales, and I know that you're proud of your identity as a salesperson. Putting it in context, we've been talking about the cost of mentoring and maybe the discomfort of people investing in something. So maybe we can weave those two things together, the importance of sales, the role of sales in your mentoring program, and the value of mentoring. No, no small challenge. Then. No, no small challenge at all. But let me try and reflect on how we operate in our existing businesses, and, and perhaps that will shed some light on our ethos and the way we operate. So often uh, people associate the cleaning industry, um, which we've been operating in for the last 25 years, as being a low-cost yes. kind of industry because they think it's a low-skilled industry. Minimum wage. Minimum wage, that, that, yeah. uh, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and regularly clients or potential clients that we're talking to will say to us, at first, uh, first glance, your prices seem to be a little bit expensive. Why is that? And I always, I always ask them, well, if you'd like to concentrate on price alone, I'm happy to have that conversation. Yeah. But I'd rather talk to you about value and about solving problems. But fundamentally, the price question always comes back. So I always use one simple response. And I always ask them a simple question. Do they think that our staff get paid minimum rate? <laughs> and if they do, why do they have that expectation? Yeah. And when they answer, invariably, they will say yes, because it's just cleaning. I then go on to explain just how much work it takes and how much effort it takes to train and to uh, develop our staff to a position where they are able to work uh, unsupervised, um, working in um, harsh environments with dangerous chemicals, often in confined spaces, often at height, and all these health and safety issues come into play. I say to the people that ask me, so would you work for £8.50 an hour doing what we do? And they always say, well, no, of course not. And then I always respond with the same answer. And yet expect my staff to do that. Why is that? Yes. And I can't believe that there are, start, there are people out there looking to buy our service and expect to get a premium level of service or paying the lowest rate. After all, if you wanted a harp operation, would you put it out to tender and take the lowest bid? I'm not <laughs> sure that you would. <laughs> no, no, I want the best. Of course you would. Of course you would. And so uh, everything's relative. Um, and I'm sure there are people out there that are cheaper than we are. And there are also people out there that are more expensive. I hasten to add, not too many, because mm -hmm. we are pitched at the higher yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. But I make no apologies for that. Our clients will get an incredible service. But more importantly, we found that by competing at the cleaning service end, we could only justify what everyone else was charging. So we decided to compete at the service management end. Right. So we decided to provide them with compliance, with a way of being able to show compliance, with a way of being able to show to their assessors and the auditors, here's my documentation. It is up to date. It is fully dotted, sorry, I's dotted, T's crossed. It is fully compliant. That's what our customers are paying for, not just the cleaning. Fantastic. So does helping your mentees, if that's the right word, the it's process, the right does, does that have a sales element in it? In what respect, Lex? All right, so I'm going to come to you. Yep. I want you to be my mentor. You've got these years and years of experience. I like the fact that you use proper systems, maybe from that naval background that had an influence on you. My number one pain is sales, getting more customers. If I can see 
that by working with you as my mentor, I'm going to generate 10 times more sales. I'm going to be attracted, as we were talking about earlier. Okay. So let me make this absolutely clear. I'm not going to make any promises to any mentee that I am going to give you 10 times your sales. I am not going to give you seven secrets to success because I don't think there are any secrets anymore. If I told you what they were, they wouldn't be a secret. secret. Exactly. So so what I'm going to do is I'm going to apply some basic, good old-fashioned business sense. We're going to talk about the type of customers that you want. We're going to talk about the type of customers you'd like to do business with. Yes. We're then going to work out how we're going to get them, get to them. together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And together. It's really together. Because I will, I will, I have been to sales presentations with one of my mentees. We have ripped apart their sales process. Wow. And believe you me, I use the word process a lot in what I talk yes. about yeah. in sales because I don't think that many people operate a sales process. If you ask most small businesses, they wouldn't have a clue what a sales process is or why they should have one. And I absolutely believe that without a process, you can't be successful. So that's the first place we start with all our mentees is helping them to develop a sales process. Even before we develop that process, we help them to understand why a process is so important. Let me give you an example. Okay, Part of the process of trying to attract new customers is understanding why they buy. Before you even get to the point with why they buy, you need to understand how you're going to attract them. Mm-hmm. So I use the fishing analogy. Have you ever fished less? I have. Yeah. Okay. So if with you my want Uncle to, Trevor. Oh, so if you want to catch a pike, <laughs> yep. would you use a worm? No. No. You'd use a piece of fresh bait. Yeah. Pike like to eat other fish. Yeah. Small fish, roach, tench. Would you cast your line and your bait into the sea to catch a pike? Certainly not. No, you'd catch it into a pond, into some kind of fresh yeah. water. Okay, so right bait, right equipment, right water. Know your target, know what they want to eat and how to attract them. Once you've baited the hook and you've got them on the hook, you can then reel them in. So I use lots of stories and analogies to describe how we make the sales process work. We start at the very front end, deciding who they want to engage with, and then we end up with the nurturing. That's the last part of the sales process. You ask most people, do they understand the part of nurturing? Not a clue. And that shocks the hell out of me. That annoys me. It shocks me that we have people in business who don't understand that nurturing, above all of the other processes, is the most important part. 70% of our business comes from nurturing. We do not need to get anywhere near like the levels of new business that other clean businesses in our industry have to get on an annual basis. Most of our repeat works come from nurturing our existing clients. They already know us. They already trust us. And they already like us. Why would they not want to spend any more money with us? I think it's six times, is it, more expensive to attract a new customer? It's certainly five to six times more expensive to attract new customers. Why would you not build the relationship? Why would you not? Absolutely right. Nurturing is so important. That's where I spend most of my time. And another passion of mine, so help me with this here, is to create self-managing businesses which have a value to sell on when I've decided to go on to another business or retire. I'm never going to retire, but if I wanted to, is that part of your process? It is. It's really important. But I think that there's more to it than creating a business that you can step away from to sell on because Mm -hmm. not everyone wants to sell on. A lot of people create businesses that become lifestyle businesses, businesses they're happy to stay involved with for the rest of their life. Um, But I think it's important that, yes, If your target is to sell the business, you have to have some kind of structure or plan in place as to how you can remove yourself from the business. 
And we call it, it that... It was the process that attracted me. And we call that a standardised approach. Yeah. Okay? Business has become much more attractive to buyers if they have a standardised yes, system gotcha. in place that can run without the owner. It's a bit like McDonald's franchise. You have to McDonald's understand. McDonald's is a great example, yeah. Lex. Absolutely great example. And fundamentally, I mean, there are lots of other reasons why they've been successful. And I know the McDonald's particularly well, the McDonald's system particularly well, because I worked in a similar part of the industry that sells fast food and the way in which they manage their business. Got to be consistent. So it's, it's a great yeah. method. Yeah. And, and their sole driver is to develop people to the point where they can run the business on behalf of the owner. I know the owner of one of the largest franchisees in the country, and he sits behind his glass desk <laughs> with not a single piece of paper or pencil or pen on his desk. He runs the entire operation from his laptop because he started flipping burgers. He then became a restaurant manager and thought, this is a great idea. The guy now owns 18 McDonald's sites. I can see what you did there, flipping burgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any more benefits of mentoring that we want to stack up so that we can see the value and be attracted to the proposition? One of the other things that I'll be um, suggesting to, to my mentees is that um, this is not about you getting an hour a month. This is about you having access to knowledge and information. So anyone that signs up to my programme will have my mobile number. Wow. With their name keyed into my mobile and I see and recognise who's calling, I will promise them that I will always take their call. It could be something really, really important, or it might not be. But I won't take that risk. I will answer every call as though we were as working if. together in the same business. Yeah. Because to the mentee, I'm fairly sure that they wouldn't ask a question if it wasn't important. And you just don't know what you don't know. How great would it be to have someone you could call and give you the answer to a question that's been doing your head in for the last three days? Sometimes we just need an answer. We don't want a training session set up in six months' time yep. so we can learn how I to come up with the right now. answer. Sometimes yep. we just need the right answer. And I'm a guy that can give you that answer. You took me back to my childhood there, and uh, this is going to be very ageist because if you're not of a certain age group, you would not have seen the advert. But do you remember the Nat West bank manager in the cupboard? I do, yes. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah, I also that, remember yeah. Monty Python creating a sketch from the same <laughs> advert, yeah. And the idea of having that access to yes. a professional whenever yep. you needed them, which is sad because my, my favourite bank, Barclays, I've barked with for years. They're just, I've barked with, I've banked with. <laughs> They're just shutting branches after branch with branch after brilliant branch. staff, mm. really good service. So customer service is clearly not enough. There's all these processes that need to be thought about. Yeah. Let's, um, let's think about the benefits to me and to the listener of having a good mentor. Okay. I'm Odysseus. I've come to you as my mentor. What's the benefit there? So uh, Odysseus, his, his prime objective was to have someone to look after his family and child so that when he returned from the Trojan Wars, they were safe and they were looked after. And, and job was done because when he came back um, after his exploits in the Trojan War, his family were not only none the worse for the experience of him being away, but actually they'd flourished under the wise counsel and guidance mm. of mentor who was an incredibly knowledgeable uh, and caring person. So I would hope that my mentees would expect to get that same kind of value, that care and consideration, that relationship. This won't be just about you pay me the money and I'll give you some answers. Mm. This will be out about us getting to know each other, getting to like each other and getting to trust each other. That's a relationship that can rest the rest of our lives, whether wow. you're paying me or not. Yes. So you're doing repeat business with friends who, um, and we're not going to talk about being the mafia here, but 
it's almost like having the trusted consigliere, was it? Do you remember that? Word? Yeah, I do, yeah. It's, uh, I, I try to distance myself a little bit from the mafia because of the <laughs> confrontations that go with it. But I, I understand what you're saying. Tom, I, yeah, Tom, Tom in the yeah, Godfather. Yeah, I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying, yes. yes. You actually um, become part I, of the I'd family. I'd hate anyone to think that um, if they don't follow my advice, they wake up with a horse's head in the bed. <laughs> no, we won't go there. Listen, you've got amazing skills and experience that you're bringing to it. We've had a little bit of your story. We've talked about Nora, your mum, your hero. Tell us a little bit more about this vast reservoir of experience that you're going to be drawing upon to uh, enhance the way your mentees see themselves, see their opportunities and see their future. Part of my own development was working, and I touched on this earlier on, and which is why I know the McDonald's franchise model so well, not only from a customer's perspective, but also from operating in that environment. Uh, when I first left the Royal Navy at around about 25, uh, undecided about what to do, I tried to be a, a chef, which is what I'd trained to be in the Royal Navy, uh, but wasn't very successful because, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't very good. Oh. And more importantly, I couldn't deal with the stress and pressure that went with that kind of job in Civvy Street. Uh, because of my challenging behaviour, I didn't think it was acceptable to be swore at or to have things thrown at you in the kitchen because exactly. you've messed something up. Yeah. So uh, Civvy Street and, and, and cookery uh, wasn't great bedfellows for me. So Pizza Hut were in a, a huge development drive in the early 80s. And I saw an advert for a training manager. Uh, my wife at the time thought I was probably a little bit old to be a training manager. And you know what? She's probably right. But I applied and got accepted. And I went to an induction day uh, in Argyle Street in London uh, and signed up for the training management programme, which I've got to say was, was some of the best training I've ever yes. had. Yep. It was a three-week residential course in Mill Hill in their own training facilities. And they had invested so heavily in developing their staff. And I really thought I'd, I'd landed on my feet. And it turned out that I had because um, they promised to fast track me through to manager because of my leadership capabilities and the experience I'd had in the Navy. Yep. Um, they knew I had a catering background. All they had to do was to give me some business understanding, some business knowledge. And I seemed to pick that up really easy for some reason. I don't know why. It just came very, very naturally. Within six months, um, I turned down the first offer of a restaurant, which was in Southsea, and I turned down turned it down because it wasn't grand enough. It only had 75 seats and didn't match my aspirations. Wow. Somebody advised me that if I turned down an opportunity to be a restaurant manager, it would be a bad thing because they yeah. wouldn't offer me another one. A month and a half later, an opportunity came to take over the Brighton restaurant, wow. which is a 148-seater restaurant, double the size. We had 60 staff in there on a Saturday, and it takes a special kind of person to manage 60 people in peak training times. Well, just so we understand each other, I'm not saying that I was that special person, but I knew people that could. The restaurant was trading at a loss. We turned a 5% loss into a 35% profit. That's a 40% swing in time three frame? months. Three months. In three months. And we were the talk of the business. We were oh, talking Pizza were. Hut. We had regional directors coming down trying to find out how we were doing it. How have you done it? Yeah. And, and it was very simple. How did you do it? Instead of trying to manage 60 people myself, yeah. which is much about ego as anything else, I decided I actually couldn't do this. Yes. So I found six small team supervisors who we 10. didn't pay an extra penny to. Gotcha. But what I did promise them was the opportunity to develop their supervisory and management skills with a view to me putting them forward to interview for training management scheme. I knew that Pizza was a huge growth opportunity. When I joined, they had 32 sites. When I left two and a half years later, there are 260 sites. 
Two and, and a half years later. In two and a half years. Good grief. And I'd like to think I've played some small part in that through the development of staff from the floor, restaurant floor, and from the kitchen through to supervisor level, through to training manager level. They came back to me to do their assistant management training through to general manager. So in that two and a half year period, not only did I train 160 odd training managers, I also trained 111, 112 assistant managers through to general manager. I was bringing in regional directors who were being fast-tracked to help with the growth of the business. They were being inducted and trained at my store in Brighton. And from then, instead of trying to give me extra work, I should just also say, I did also make a bad name for myself because I exploited the bonus opportunity within the business. Right. The Brighton restaurant was the first non-London restaurant to take a million pounds in a year, which was an incredible achievement. So incredible they paid me my bonus of £15,000. And this is back in the early 80s. That's a lot of money. Coupled then. with my salary, that made me the third highest paid salary member in the whole of the organisation. And that didn't go down too well with some of the directors and some of the area managers. So the next year, they changed the bonus for <laughs> objective system and caps it at £5,000. How interesting. So I was not well-liked by people or the peers in my, in my business sphere. And so I, I asked for a change and they made me a new store opening manager and I opened four brand new stores from inception through to handing over to a new general manager. So this is where all this experience comes yeah. from of developing and working with people. I used to get people phoning up, asking if they can go on a waiting list to come and work in my restaurant because they saw how much they, experience and how quick the, the, the rapid um, development was of the people that come and work with me. Because for me, it was all about developing people. And at the time, I remember thinking, actually, this is a really great way of doing less work. Because the better my people get, the less I have to do. Exactly. That's true empowerment, isn't it? Empowerment, Absolutely. Empowerment is not a popular word amongst some uh, management thinkers at the moment, but I think it's a great word. Um, we're going to take a, a break, Ian. Okay. Just, just to summarise what I'm hearing at the moment, it seems to me that the package that you're offering is based on principles. It's principle-based mentoring. It's going to deal with the people aspects, the process aspects and the profit aspects is that a fair summary i think it is yeah absolutely spot on lex cool uh, when we come back after the break after this little jingle we're going to be talking about why mentoring and not coaching back in a couple of seconds the tbn tuesday podcast is sponsored by three businesses the second of the three businesses is elite business women clubs a better way for making business connections when growing your business, sometimes it can be a bit hit and miss. There are lots of choices. Some will suit better than others. And a wrong choice could not only be pricey, but could leave you feeling let down. We believe our business women clubs are the best you'll find simply because EBW is all about you. The decision makers, the business owners, the directors, the senior professionals and managers, all of whom buy and sell and help establish a business. So if you want to get your business off on the right footing, and build it on a firm foundation. Check out elitebusinesswomen.co.uk. 